Today on the Arts Report, Doubt at Pacific Theatre, a review of the Arts Club's production of Gordon, the upcoming CD release from Vancouver band Glass Kites, a chat about the announced closure of the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company, plus a ticket giveaway to UBC's production of Macbeth, and so much more. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report for Wednesday, March 14th. Uh, You are joining us here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We are streaming live online all the time at citr.ca and you can also find the Arts Report on podcast uh, on the website as well as by searching iTunes. Hello, uh, my name is Nick Sartori and... um, it's so lovely to be with you this week. Uh, there's so many things to talk about. It's it's kind of I, I'm I'm going to shuffle this stack of papers closer to the microphone so you can tell how many uh, exciting things we have coming up uh, on the show uh, today. So I think this week um, we could not have the arts report um, without talking about some sad news. Um, So I suppose we'll get the sad news out of the way first before we move on to happier, nicer things that are happening in the arts community because, as I'm sure you've heard by now uh, through various other media channels, uh, that the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company announced its closure uh, last uh, Friday. So that was on March the 9th. And um, it was especially shocking, I suppose, because there are a number of, uh, of, well, there's a number of reasons. Um, obviously, the Playhouse is a fairly established theater company. Um, the Playhouse uh, is the first and one of the largest regional theater companies across Canada. Uh, and so that means they play a fairly, uh, obviously, integral role in the arts ecology, not only in Vancouver and in BC, but across Canada. And so the implications of shutting down the company are pretty huge. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that Um and we're going to talk to a bunch of different people who all uh, have some opinions on that um, and uh, and get some different thoughts because there's, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, that we should discuss. So anyway, to that point, I thought I'd bring you up to speed. I've kind of given you an idea that, yes, the Playhouse is closed, and yes, that's very sad, but you are wondering, okay, what actually is going on? Get me up to speed, Nick. And that is why I am here. So let's go through some history first before we start talking to people who have some opinions. Uh, So they announced uh, on Friday, as I said, uh, and that was by the board chair, Jeff Schultz. Um, He said that they made the decision after an emergency board meeting um, that was made Friday after, or sorry, at 4 a.m. before the announcement. So really early in the morning, emergency board meeting and... um, they had to come to this difficult decision. And uh, basically, he said that the company had almost a million dollars in debt despite receiving a bailout of almost a million dollars last year by the city of Vancouver. We'll come back to that later. Uh, and basically, he said, quote, we can't continue operations with the amount of debt we have. I'm so sad and disappointed that it's come to this. And again, that was Jeff Schultz, board chair of the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company. I also want to clarify right now that a lot of people um, in Twitterverse uh, and Facebook and other places are confusing the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre, the venue, the actual building, with the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company. These are two different organizations, two different groups of people. The Vancouver Playhouse Building is owned and operated as part of the Civic Theatres Program by the City of Vancouver. So the Civic Theatres are the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, the Playhouse, and the Orpheum. So, um, the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company is a company that um, has an agreement with the city to basically animate that space. So, that is just to give you, like, once again, some more context. Now you can be all smart when you're talking with your friends about it. Uh, so, um, this was very sad. And uh, not only did um, Jeff Schultz speak, but also Max Reimer, who uh, is the artistic managing director of the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company, um, who said, quote, I'm overwhelmed by a sense of loss and the Playhouse will be remembered. So um, I'm reading uh, from an article right now that was published in the Vancouver Sun on the date that it was uh, the the announcement was made and it said that the playhouse closure uh, will result in a loss to the theater a community of 2.9 million dollars a year which was spent on actor and director fees set design lighting design props and costumes all announced by max reimer 
And uh, it's so it's a sad, it's a sad, sad, sad time in Vancouver. And th- there's a lot of different thinking around uh, how to move forward and what to do next and how to make the best of this not so nice situation. Um, but before we move on uh, talking about the Playhouse, uh, because we will be hearing from a few folks in the theater community in the next couple of minutes about what they think about the Playhouse, let's uh, just uh, give you another brief summary of what we have coming up in the Arts Report today. Because once again, you are listening to the Arts Report and we want to tell you other exciting things that are happening <laughs> in Vancouver arts and culture that aren't just sad. So, um, on today's show, we will talk to Pacific Theater's artistic director and the director of Doubt, uh, and that's the current show that the Playhouse, or sorry, the Playhouse, Pacific Theater has running right now. So again, that's up at Pacific Theater uh, to uh, close off their season there. Uh, We'll also hear from uh, my wonderful uh, co-host, Megan Thomas, uh, about um, Arts Club's production of Gordon, um, which is up right now at the review stage, and Megan, uh, as well as uh, our previous good friend and arts director, uh, ex-arts director I don't know how to say that properly Adam Yanush uh, and Megan went and saw the show last week and so she's going to share both of their thoughts I suppose her thoughts and Adam's on his behalf and um, we'll also hear uh, in an interview that Adam did for us um, from the band Glass Kites and they have a CD release event that's happening tomorrow at 560 um, and we also have a couple of tickets to give away for that show. So uh, I will be giving you a cue to call, so get your dialing fingers ready. Um, Of course, you can reach us at 604-UBC-CITR, and I'll give you until when we do actually the giveaway to figure out what those letters mean in numbers. Uh, We'll also uh, be giving you free tickets uh, during today's show to UBC's production of Macbeth, Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Macbeth um, next week uh, when Megan hosts the Arts Report. Okay, so that is all the wonderful things we have today uh, for you coming in the next hour. So be sure to stay with us. And like I said, keep your dialing fingers ready because you never know when I'm going to say, hey, this is a time for you to call me to win free stuff because it's going to happen. Okay, let's talk a little more about the Playhouse before we move on to other things. So since the uh, Playhouse um, announcement happened, uh, there was a rally. This rally happened on Saturday night and um, was sort of uh, meant to, I guess, get the community together and have one last hurrah for the Playhouse, but also um, peti- start, a, start a bunch of petitions and a bunch of campaigns to get people on board to supporting the Playhouse and keeping them uh, together as long as possible. So that happened, and I'm quoting from an article uh, by Marsha Lederman in the Globe and Mail, and um, the rally organizer and actor, Jennifer Clement, said, quote, this is a beautiful, world-class city. We hosted the Olympics, and we can't even host a professional theater company in our downtown core. Uh, so there's something to think about. And uh, Spirit of the West frontman, John Mann, who uh, was recently seen in an arts club production, um, climbed on top of a car, which in fact was later found out to be his own, um, and performed Save This House uh, with the crowd singing along to the chorus. Um, and he has also appeared on the Playhouse stage when uh, shows such as Beyond Eden and Of Mice and Men. So um, a lot of people getting involved, and again, lots of conversation happening on Twitter um, and things like that. The other thing that's come up since the Playhouse announced the closure is that the city, the Vancouver, uh, city of Vancouver, um, have announced that they are doing a review of the civic theater model. So they announced that because this financial trouble happened to the Playhouse Theater Company, that they would look at how they're operating their civic theaters. Um, and there's not much to, to say at this point other than the facts that I've already given you that the Playhouse doesn't have any money. Uh, so um, that's something to to uh, keep your eyes out on. If you're interested in what's going to happen moving forward uh, on that end, stay tuned and we'll give you an update as soon as we have one as far as what the city's come up with uh, in trying to make this model a bit more sustainable should we say. And um, let's hear from some people now. There's so many different things going on. I should mention, if you have any thoughts, um, I'm going to throw up our Twitter uh, account. I don't have it ready, so this is me furiously typing into Twitter right now. Um, you can tweet us at CITR underscore arts report, and uh, you can uh, let us know what you think. I'm going to do this. So glad I know our password. Okay, so tweet us CITR underscore arts report and let me know what you think. And I'll read some tweets if we get them in the next little while, if you have any thoughts. Of course, you can also call in. Um, I may not get to you right away, so I apologize. Um, obviously, we've got a lot, lot of stuff to cover in today's show. Um, but if you have any thoughts, feel free to give us a call or uh, shoot us a tweet. And I will try to read all the tweets on the air as they come in. 
if we do in fact get any of your thoughts. So um, I wanted to talk uh, to a couple of people who were directly impacted by this Playhouse closure. Of course, a lot of different people, including the staff of the Playhouse, um, are impacted because naturally all the people who are working for the Playhouse um, are pretty much out of a job. Um, but there was another thing that the Playhouse was deciding to do this year, uh, which was to launch something called their Recital Series. And this was where they were going to work with uh, smaller emerging companies in Vancouver and uh, launch their work. One particular collaboration that the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company had was with the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. Of course, we know the Fringe as being the largest theatre festival in BC. And last year, Relevant Theatre, this is a one of those emerging companies in Vancouver, um, won this award. And part of that award uh, meant that they were going to get a run at the Playhouse. And they are actually scheduled um, to have a run in April of their show, which is called The Exquisite Hour. Uh, so I caught up with Jesse Van Ryan. Jesse is the uh, co-producer um, of the the collective that is um, Relevant Theatre. And I wanted to just speak to Jesse briefly uh, about um, what the implications are for her company, uh, for her production that's going to be coming up right away. The Playhouse hasn't actually announced what it means for the future shows. There's three shows left in the season, and, and The Exquisite Hour by Relevant Theatre is one of those shows. So I'm just going to play you the conversation that Jesse and I had the other day, um, which includes some snippets of um, what she thinks uh, and what uh, the closure means to her. You said if a few times, if the show happens, if the show happens at the Playhouse. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the announcement at the Playhouse was after March 10th, we're closed, we're done, we're finished. So if you could speculate on what the future looks like, what would you imagine that could be? Um, It could go a a bunch of different ways. The the if is based on the announcements that the Playhouse has been sending out publicly via Twitter, Facebook, um, just saying that an announcement is forthcoming. Um, That that announcement, that announcement of an announcement is all we know at this point. And so we say if a lot because we don't know if the Playhouse show is going to act if the Playhouse version of the show is going to happen. All I know is, is that if it doesn't happen, we are going to do the show somehow, somewhere, sometime. We just need to as soon as we know from the Playhouse, we can go ahead and make those plans and start fundraising and book a venue and make partnerships to make sure that this is a feasible project for us um, because all of a sudden without the Playhouse we lose a lot of the structure that we had for the for the project and so we just need to regroup and make sure that everyone's ready to move ahead. I'm curious as a small company you talked earlier about the, the one of the biggest benefits to the company for you for relevant is having the resources of the playhouse readily available to you so as a small company how will you find the resources to do that or what is what's the impact of that for you as an independent company if you had to do it on your own if we had to do it on our own well the the great and like heartwarming and it keeps my hair from falling out completely in the last week is that people have started coming out of the woodwork and have been very supportive at the at the um, rally on Saturday night um, a couple of the relevants were there and a lot of folks were coming up to us and you know saying sorry that they had heard that the show wasn't going to be happening and if there was anything they could do to help to let them know people with a variety of services that they were willing to offer or just an extra pair of hands to put posters up or that sort of thing. Somebody offered us rehearsal space. Another person has since come a, come forward and offered um, the option of using their venue. And um, other folks have just been very, very warm and supportive and caring. And a lot of folks that saw this show agree with us and say, you know, we need to make sure that it happens. And a lot of people have said, I didn't have a chance to see this show at the Fringe and I wanted to see it and I want to help you make it happen. And so we'll be this show is a very small show, so we're lucky with that. It's not too prop heavy. We have a lot of materials left over from the run, fringe run that we put in storage, but we're, we've lost a couple of our set pieces. Um, so we're going to have to look for things like if we end up doing this away from the playhouse, we are going to have to look for things like foliage. So if you have a giant fake tree in your garage and you ha- have it for a loner, give us a shout, that sort of thing. Um, so we haven't yet needed to put a call out for specific items, but a lot of people have, like I said, come out of the woodwork to offer their support. And even if it's just a pat on the back and it's a, hey, I'm so sorry this is happening, that's that's awesome. Um, other people, if they can, if they've been willing to help us out with that or, or anything, 
we're not having to do any fundraising, I think, yet. But when that happens, um, a lot of people have been really supportive. So again, that was Jesse Van Ryan of Relevant Theatre, and they're one of the companies that is uh, has a, a scheduled upcoming presentation at the Vancouver Playhouse uh, Theatre Company, and so um, they're sort of sitting on pins and needles, as you heard from Jesse. Um, Jesse also, at the end of our conversation, mentioned uh, that if you want to keep in touch with her, you can follow her on Twitter, and she's at Jesse Relevant, and that's J-E-S-S-I-E, and then Relevant, which is elephant, but with an R in front of it. Okay, let's move on and hear from a couple of other people um, before we have to take a short break here on the Arts Report. Um, I also spoke earlier to um, just a few folks who wanted to share some of their thoughts. Uh, And so the first person we're going to hear from here is Catherine Carroll, who is the Artistic Director of the Vancouver International Children's Festival. Here's Catherine on her thoughts on the Playhouse closure. Well, ultimately, what it means to me is is the continued degradation of the arts community here in Vancouver. The Playhouse Theatre Company is a very important part of that community, and if something as large as the Playhouse can disappear, then it doesn't bode well for the smaller companies, some of whom have already uh, disappeared in the past. And I just think that it has offered so many opportunities to so many people in the community, from established artists right down to emerging artists, to young companies and and established companies with the use of space and props and support. Uh, I just think it's criminal that it's disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, in a perfect world, what would you like to see happen now? Well, I would like to see um, the BC government and the city come to the table and sit down and actually look at a workable model because as much as the press likes to depict the Playhouse demise as purely financial, financial, it is not. That's not the truth of the matter as far as I know, and that a lot of it has to do with, some of it's obviously finance, but a lot of it has to do with the agreement between the Civic Theatres and the Playhouse Theatre Company, which is completely untenable. So I would like to see, yeah, I'd like to see the city and the province come to the table with the Playhouse and look at the possibility of assisting on the side of the finances and also reworking the agreement so that it becomes workable. Right. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add to any of my points or any, any other things that you want to share? Just that I, I just think it's uh, a very, very sad day for Vancouver as a city to lose a uh, theatre company as important as the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company. And I believe that if the city councillors actually believe that there's another theatre company that can just step up and fill in the hole, which is what I seem to be reading in the paper, then they are very ill-informed. And that was Catherine Carroll, who is the Artistic Director of the Vancouver International Children's Festival, with her thoughts on the Playhouse closure. I had two other quick conversations earlier today. Uh, The next one was with Mac Gordon. Uh, He is an up-and-coming actor uh, here in the city of Vancouver, and these are his thoughts on the closure of the Playhouse. As a emerging artist, I guess you would call me, I've done a few jobs around town, but I'm still kind of young and struggling to get stuff done. I, I think it's a pretty terrible thing for people like me as uh, it closes and more jobs are taken away. And I think the important thing that could easily be missed is that, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. One way is to think that the jobs are going to go to other places, so the funding that the Playhouse received will go to other theater companies in Vancouver. And the other way to look at it is, which unfortunately I'm, I'm afraid is the way the government might look at it, is that now that the Playhouse isn't around anymore, Vancouver won't need as much funding as it's been getting, which is, as you know, very little already. Right. And so I worry that more jobs are not going to come out of this and more funding is not going to come out of this for smaller companies. And instead, it's going to choke off the arts funding even more. Got it. And moving forward, what would you like to see happen in a, you know, in a perfect world scenario? What's the next step? I think that, I mean, it's been talked about a lot that the, the deficit is around a million dollars and that, um, you know, the, the government has spent 600 times that or whatever on the roof for BC Place. I would love to see, though, I think what the real problem is that the Playhouse is unsustainable the way it's been run 
lately. So even if they were to get that million dollars paid for, they're still going into debt every year. And I think a big reason that that's happening is because of the way that their venue is being run. So what I would hope to see is some kind of reform in the way that the Playhouse or whatever company it is that steps into that position of regional theater, which is not necessarily something that's going to happen, something I'd like to see happen, is then to have a more strong basis of running their company so that they could do things like not have to take down their set every week for uh, a Sunday concert um, so that they could do things like not have to pay more money than they're able to make in rent for the year and things like that. Got it. Awesome. Um, any last thoughts that you want to add? Um, it's it's heartening to see all of the protests and rallies and things like that that are being done. I think there's a lot of um, industries in Canada, in British Columbia, that don't take care of each other as much as the arts do. And that's something that I think can be encouraging that we can see from this, that we all are here for each other and together. And that was Mac Gordon and his thoughts on the Playhouse Theatre Company's announced closure. Uh, We have one more commentary here that I wanted to share with you, and this is from uh, Vancouver actor Jeremy Crittenden. Well, I mean, the Playhouse, for me, I've never actually had the opportunity to work at the Playhouse. So as an actor, it certainly means a lot of uh, opportunity that is lost. But as an audience member, I've had such an incredible time at the Playhouse over the years. Shows like Equus and A Drowsy Chaperone and Red that was just in this last season, their 49th season. What incredible shows these were. And these are experiences that our audiences may not get now. Um, In addition to that, of course, there's all the smaller companies that relied on the Playhouse for for props, for costumes, for advice. And uh, that's a huge resource for them now gone. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, moving forward, what do you imagine in a perfect world that would look like? Well, I think in a perfect world, uh, Ida Chong would take $2 million of the $3 million uh, unallocated arts funding that she has right now and uh, get the Playhouse back in business. Um, if what I read was correct, some comments from uh, their the board, uh, the chair of their board, Jeff Schultz, said... They need a million dollars to get out of debt and then $500,000 to be able to continue operating to get back on their feet for the next two years. Well, that's $2 million. And if it's sitting there in Victoria unused, let's get the Playhouse back together. Let's get them producing again. Let's get their 50th season going and make sure that company is on a strong footing over the next two years so that they can give us 49 more seasons. Got it. Awesome. And uh, anything else that you want to add to the point? Yeah. I think people within our theater community are doing a a fantastic job of standing up and saying, we don't want the Playhouse to go away. What we need now is if people have ever been to the Playhouse, whether you're in the theater community or not, whether you're a donor, an audience member, somebody who always thought, man, I'd really like to check something out at the Vancouver Playhouse Theater Company we need you guys now. We need those people to write letters to the city, to the province, uh, to the federal government. Even if it's two lines, just take five days today or uh, take five minutes out of your day today and write a couple of letters and do something great for your community. Support the arts in your community. It'll only take five minutes of your time to write a letter today. And that's Jeremy Crittenden uh, inviting you all uh, to get involved in the campaign um, to save the Vancouver Playhouse Theatre Company. Um, So anyway, there's a number of um, folks. Thank you all to uh, Jesse, Catherine, Mack, and Jeremy for all taking the time and sharing their thoughts on uh, the Playhouse Theatre Company closure and what it means and what impact it has. Um, And I invite you to get involved in the conversation as well and make up your your own mind. Um, There was an interesting article that I'm not going to talk about a lot, but um, it's uh, titled, Would Tough Love Have Saved the Playhouse? Uh, And it's a question posed by Sandra Thomas of the Vancouver Courier. It was published today. So you can find that online if you uh, Google uh, or just look at the Vancouver Courier. And she presents an interesting um, argument sort of on the other side of things. So, I mean, um, you know, look into it and, and, you know, figure out what it means uh, for yourself. And um, 
hopefully something interesting will come out of that. It's going to be a lot of conversations, I have a feeling. Um, anyhow, we have been talking playoffs for a while, and it's time for us to move on to other things. Um, so it's, we're going to do a giveaway. So remember how I mentioned uh, to get your dialing fingers ready? Well, now is the time for you to start dialing if you would like to win tickets to UBC's production of Macbeth. It is running March 22nd through March 31st at the Frederick Wood Theater on UBC campus. It is directed by MFA um, student Patrick New and, of course, is a Shakespeare classic um, uh, featuring murder, remorse, and madness in this bloody tale of ambition and fate. Shakespeare's brooding tragedy digs into the dark territory of man's lust for power and its bloody repercussions. Uh, this is going to be a really great show, and uh, you can find more um, information, including a preview of our designer's work, press photos, and behind the scenes on the show if you go to theater.ubc.ca. But like I said, I would love for you to be able to go and check out what looks to be a fantastic production. Uh, we're going to have an interview with one of the actors in Macbeth uh, next week uh, when Megan hosts the Arts Report, but we wanted to give you some tickets this week. So aren't we awesome? So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk to Megan. Um, Megan uh, and possibly Adam um, about uh, when the, they went and saw Arts Club's production of Gordon last week and just get some of their thoughts on what they um, made of that production. And um, when we come back, we'll have that. We'll also talk to Ron Reed at Pacific Theatre about their production of Doubt and we'll hear from the Glass Kites and we'll do a giveaway. So give us a call, 604 2487 Again, it's 604 822 2487 and you will have yourself a pair of tickets for Macbeth at UBC running the 22nd through the 31st so give me a call and we will be right back after this short break are you walking to class are you grabbing a coffee got lunch hour to kill we invite you to fill the silence of your day with the sound of some live music music on the mind UBC's newest student concert initiative invites the school of music out of the concert hall into the schoolyard Ten concerts at five venues on one campus. Let's get music on the mind at UBC. For more information, visit ubcmusiconthemind.com. Sponsored by CITR Radio, Vancouver, BC. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. And welcome back to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. We are also streaming online at CITR.ca. Megan just had a wonderful aha moment in the studio. <laughs> welcome, Megan and Adam. Yanush. Hi. Well, you you we really keep trying to get rid of you, and you keep coming back. I'm gonna turn your I'm gonna turn your mic off, Adam, so you can turn it around, okay. so it's actually facing your face. That's probably better, so we can actually hear you. That's more like oh, it. Oh, that's so much Hi. better. Opinions vary. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, it's good. This weather is bonkers, but, um, but yeah. hey, what can it's you do? It's not spring yet. What can you do? Yeah, it's weird how UBC sometimes gets like snowy bits of rain, where yeah. other parts of Vancouver were like, what, it's snowing? Right. Anyway, we have so many things to talk about <laughs> today that I'm just going to keep. We're just, we're just going to... The weather is not on the list. <laughs> it's not on the list of the 18 things we have to talk um, about. Did you know we saw a show, Megan and I? I heard. Tell tell us more about. So this is Arts Club's production of Gordon. Gordon, yes, which this is, is the opening last uh, Wednesday. And I should mention before you get started that um, this is a production written and directed by Morris Panich, and it is now playing until March twenty fourth at the review stage on Granville Island. Yes, and uh, important note at the review stage, you can bring drinks into the theater. Oh, how wonderful! Like just if you're trying to decide, that's a little extra. But uh, be careful that it, it is a small venue, so the tiniest whisper to the person beside you, <coughs> Megan, will result in people in front of you. Megan, um, were, you, were you being an inconsiderate theater? I think door? I did whisper once or twice, and I have to say I saw the artist last night, and that was like the quietest I've ever been for the longest span <laughs> oh, of time, and I so still far. whispered. <laughs> couple of times oh, you still were whispering yes okay. once or Let, twice let's let's talk let's hear about what the, what the, show. the show is like so so how did what did you guys think well there's a couple of major things and i'll just list them so we remember to talk about them the set gorgeous performances uh the spotty 
Directing. Horrible. <laughs> so we can go. We're that done. Was, all right. Thanks, Nick. Uh, and moving on to our next feature. <laughs> we don't, why do, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about the set? Because I know as soon as you walked in, you were just like, oh, my gosh. I was. Well, again, it's a small, intimate venue. So the set is right in front of you, and you can't miss it. And basically, it's a rundown house, a kitchen and a living room area. And it's uh, in you know the worst neighborhood you can imagine. And it just looked shabbily beautiful. Like... Um, the, the set designer spent a lot of time pouring like varnish or some vaguely brown colored goop all over the walls, mm-hmm. but it looked like the most rundown and soiled uh, home that you could ever imagine. But, um, but they, they lit it beautifully and they, they functional started. too. Very, Sink very worked, functional. Stairs worked. That's right. I like function. Yeah, the, the back door worked. Yeah, the lights worked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the set was, was gorgeous, and I give full credit to uh, the set designer for a really incredible job. Excellent. And uh, I found the performances, for the most part, really riveting. Uh, there are some excellent moments from everyone, um, especially the father, uh, who Gordon Sr., Gord. Cool. Right, I suppose we should take a minute to say what the what the show is about. I don't Let's know. I think we should just know. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, the the premise is that, and having worked with the the arts club, I've memorized this. But you have a career criminal and his partner who break into a house, and uh, unbeknownst to the the partner, uh, Carl Gordon is there to actually meet his father. And right. so they break into this house, in, uh, and everyone's surprised by the fact his father's there, as well as his girlfriend's along for the ride as well. Yes. And, and she plays a strong part in the, in, the, in the show. And then underneath all that is uh, obviously a lot of daddy issues, um, <laughs> because it's, uh, the, the main character is named Gordon, and his father is named mm-hmm. Gordon. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, children, the idea of children come into the picture mm-hmm. as well. So it's mm-hmm. all about intergenerational family and what it means to be a man, what it means to be a, a father, and sort of passing down your, your lineage, your reputation, and all that stuff. So yeah, privilege and entitlement. Kinds, as well. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, a lot of the performances were uh, highly emotional um, the main Carl was phenomenal Carl was uh, great As both emotionally of, and comedically well because he was sort of the the dumb sidekick yeah. and the you know and, and, and Gordon sort of runs circles around him and dominates him and tells him what to do well he dominates everyone he dominates everyone but um, especially his little sidekick and um, yeah I thought it was very uh, rich performance you know mm-hmm. he was able to to be uh, the fool but mm-hmm. also to um, allow us to like him you mm-hmm. know he wasn't just somebody who, who was forgettable or, or you know oh he's just an idiot you know you felt for him you felt mm-hmm. compassion for him morally complex like he was yeah. a complex mm-hmm. character for being silly I think where our issue was and this overlaps with both performance and directing um, was that and this actually bleeds into maybe an arts club criticism as any arts club play does, play does. they don't push it far enough like you, you're happy that they chose this really interesting dark play. Yeah, I do give them credit. I give the arts club credit for choosing this kind of show. It's very uh, Trailer Park Boys, and it's very so. You know, it's got that modern Canadian crime show thing going for it, which is outside of the typical, you know, thing that the. Uh, the well, arts club and does. that's in, and, and to your point, Megan. What I'd what I'd ask back to you both and to everyone listening is: Do you feel that that's the role that the arts club? should be perhaps playing in the community because there's all these artists that are you know and companies that are doing really innovative really exciting really challenging work and the arts club is a little friendlier generally speaking and and i I would say that that's kind of their you know it's kind of their thing you know what it's their thing and they do it a lot better than the playhouse did evidently (laughs) you know well that's not that's another conversation (laughs) this is the review for another half an hour (laughs) so the review stage basically is you know the other two stages pay for this basically um in my opinion the review Mm -hmm. stage is where the really local new things happen craigslist Mm -hmm. cantata was wildly popular that was Mm -hmm. push festival Festival, i saw floating there i saw um really interesting stuff happen there and it's almost in the round now speaking mm. of in the round oh my god um, the performances were hindered by the directing and mm. the director was actually the writer and yes. he's apparently we thought like that it was first time dire- it was first a first time, time thing and apparently he's done seven or eight productions with that well just strange choices like why are the actors why do they have their backs to the audience oh. so many oh, times that's bad. <laughs> why do they talk to people behind them requiring them to turn their head away from us so often oh. you know what I mean choices like that that frankly are a little bit amateurish yeah yeah, yeah. you know and, and same another one of those uh, things was the scene changes where you'd get the blackout m- combined with super dramatic music 
Like somewhere <laughs> that is very accurate. First of all, that's not a joke. So that was some, actually a clip. emotionally, that somewhere that between the Law and Order, like dun dun, and the like dun dun dun, and it it. it it it's, took you completely out of the story. It was a way for them yeah. to change through the scenes. But I think uh, somewhere in the third act where it just got amazing, the, they pushed it emotionally. Um, they didn't use that sound anymore. They actually toned down the, um, well, the scene changes. I, I started laughing. I'll just I'll say this as an aside, Adam. The other day when we were chatting about the show and you told me about this particular, the music. <laughs> and I was just imagining, because you were describing this actor having this you know very deep, emotional, yeah. strong moment. And then all of a sudden, it's like Michael Bay directed it or something. <laughs> it's like a game show or something. And it was unfortunate because it cut off, like you just mentioned there. The actors were having these really powerful moments. Right. And they didn't give us a few seconds to allow t- for those moments to sink in. Instead, right. the music came right in. And it's right. like, all right, I guess we're moving on now. Yeah. And I think that's part of parcel of, of pushing it. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not trusting their audience and they're not trusting the actors to really make that moment full. Right. They, uh, and they're not trusting them to understand that this is a scene change now. Like, you can dim the lights and they can move around. They understand how a play works. Right. Um, and I think that the idea really uh, wasn't stretched. And I think ultimately, and this is another issue I have with the Arts Club in terms of marketing, mm-hmm. not letting people know what they're getting into. They're more right. concerned with getting people in the seat by calling something a comedy. Right. Um, I saw right. the Penelope had this happen as well. They called it very witty and it was super dark. Mm. And it was funny. This had hilarious laugh out loud moments that were, some of them were cheap. Some of them were very high end jokes, dark jokes. But if this had been a drama with comedic moments, but they always had to push for the joke. Um, yeah. there, were lots of, there was lots of really uncomfortable, it was supposed to be funny, but it was uncomfortably misogynistic. Right. There, there were a few moments that were misinterpreted by the audience. There, right. were, there were moments that were, frankly, quite dramatic. And because the audience was sold on the fact that this is a comedy, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like, ah, awkward laughs. And it's just oh. like, no, you don't need to laugh here, friend. Right. Like, I know you've been told it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. This is actually a serious moment. And there was a few of those moments where uh, I think, you know, Megan and I came away from it going like, you know, if they just sold it as a drama first, mm-hmm. then... Um, the the tone, the audience reaction would have been a little bit more appropriate and maybe the performances, you know, maybe the actors would have been able to take those cues and allow themselves to breathe in those serious right. moments and not right. just run to the next joke. Yeah, there was a joke about death, about, because uh, this this guy is a psychopath. Like, right. you, you feel for him because his background is so bad, uh, but at the same time, I liked how he is a bad person. Right. Um, and you're not really asked to forgive him for that, but rather it's about understanding his character. But he kills people mm. off stage, mm-hmm. and you know he talks about, oh, it's not murder. Um, he's just not there anymore. Mm. And people laughed uncomfortably. I'm like, that's a really brutal statement that <laughs> I that I took to heart, and yeah. it really um, didn't do it justice. I think. And, and so again, you, you look at the director and go, "Why did you make this choice? Didn't you yeah. understand what the writer intended?" Oh wait, you are the you writer. are the writer. Mm, Interesting. Misin- uh, Adam so. said, "Like I can't believe he misinterpreted his own work." <laughs> I, I was yeah, but apparently this is, this has happened before. Was it you, Nick, that you were telling me that there's like a like a syndrome almost of uh, writer directors that yeah. sometimes they they just don't quite. Get they're not it. able to see their work. Uh, there no. is ultimately an artistic director, yeah. and you know he's uh, Bill Miller's very hands-on, and he's been doing this for a long time. And and I wonder if there's a, a bit of a a vacuum at the Arrows Club, where like the outside. Uh, same thing with Blood Brothers. I mean, everyone really loved Blood Brothers, and I didn't like it for very specific reasons. So there's a bit of a, a weird echo chamber, maybe yeah. that's happening. Yeah. So yeah, it was all right. Okay, and well, I actually I would recommend it. Okay. I would, I would, uh, you yeah, know, see it and make up your own. It's mind. a really that's moving, good. intense experience, and even yeah. if, and I think it's, I'm, I feel that great that I, I was able to see it, but it, cool. it wasn't perfect. That's yeah. for sure. Worth, worth seeing. Okay, yeah, flaws. I would see it. Okay, so go. So the point of this conversation is go see Gordon. It's check playing. out the beautiful set and Make check out exactly and, and Thanks, Adam. expect a drama. Go in looking for a drama and don't let yes. cool. people's weird there. expectations. Yes. And you might get a little more out of it than we did. But cool. yeah, good tip. Thanks, guys. You're Thank welcome. You. Much fun. much obliged. Woo! Okay, uh, before we leave though, Megan, um, hey. can you tell us a little bit about this uh, Blues Brothers screening and Beverage Garden? 
that's happening. Oh, yeah. So there's a Blues Brothers screening and beverage garden going on <laughs> on the 16th. So yes. that's Friday. Uh, it's at UBC. Um, it's the joint kind of presentation of CITR and the Film Society. Mm. I mean, they're organizing it. We're, we're you know promoting it with them. And so there's going to be a screening. You can come have some quote-unquote beverages, alcoholic beverages. Um, I don't know if you have the, I, I believe it's in the theater here, the... Norman Theater, but I don't, I don't know if you have that written down. It, yeah. Anyway, you can go go on Facebook, go online. Um, it, there's some event information on www.citr.ca. So yeah, that'll be a really fun event. Cool. And um, I would also can I do like a little plug Please. as well because yes. I'm not hosting right now. No, I know. Um, on Saturday is St. Patrick's Day. Yes, it is. Oh, you, yes, it is. And uh, I work with a magazine called Sad Mag. And on Saturday night at the Cobalt, we will be presenting Ginger Ninjas, which is something that we were going to be hosting anyway on Thursday, <laughs> and it happened to be moved to Saturday, so it's perfect. So ah. Ginger's getting free. We're going to be That's having awesome. all redhead entertainment. Ginger. So, <laughs> and it's going to be so, super I'm sorry, fun. Adam. Ginger, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, awesome. it's it's just like one of these fun parties that we have to raise money for the magazine, and you know, come buy a subscription, have cool. a drink, do a dance. I like it. Thanks, Megan. Um, I'm gonna cut you off and move on to the next thing because oh, please do. It's we're oh, there's so many things, and we've only got like uh, who talked like about Meg seventeen for minutes for like half left. an hour. Who was that? You, Adam? And then who it kept doing me. a review for too long? That was us. <sighs> okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Uh, so that was Megan Thomas and Adam Yanush talking about Arts Club. Yay. And that's you. <laughs> and that's you listening to them leave the studio. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Uh, we have so much coming up. You are listening, of course, to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming live online at CITR.ca. Okay, we are, have two more features coming up in the show today. Um, we are going to hear from Glass Kites. They are a band that have their CD release party tomorrow night. And get your dialing fingers ready again because we are going to have another giveaway. So get ready. At the end of the show, we're going to do another giveaway um, for two two tickets and that's happening tomorrow night at 560. It's actually a really awesome lineup. Um, they are playing with, my goodness, who are they playing with? Uh, Super Cassette, Facts and Bed of Stars. Uh, three really great um, bands playing with um, Glass Kites. So, before that happens though, let's uh, hear from Ron Reed who is the Artistic Director of Pacific Theatre and the Director of their current production which is called Doubt. How far would you go to protect a child? In John Patrick Shanley's Doubt, uh, Sister Aloysius is faced with this very question. Her answer is swift and ferocious. If a child's welfare is at stake, there is no time to waste. So when suspicious when suspicions, pardon me, are raised that the young priest Father, Finn is, uh, Father Flynn is spending too much time with one of the young male students, she does not hesitate. Hit by her fierce crusade, Father Flynn is left to defend his actions, but without concrete proof on either side, both are guided only by the strength of their convictions and the nagging of their doubts to guide them. This is a very interesting show, and here is Ron Reed to tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, Doubt's a rather amazing script. A Pulitzer Prize winner, John Patrick Shanley. Mm-hmm. And it's um, the story of a nun who suspects that a priest in the school is abusing children mm. and has to decide what can be done in a male-dominated hierarchy, 1964 Catholic Church. Mm. And the accomplishment, the achievement of the piece is that our preconceptions, our conceptions, our discoveries, our allegiance, our allegiances are constantly undermined. Mm. We, whatever we, whatever kind of perception we begin the play with, and they can be many, as you can imagine, with that subject material, whatever we come into the play with is taken from us. Mm-hmm. And we have to consider we might have preconceived, prejudged. We might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Shanley keeps pushing us to doubt our certainties about what's going on. It's a completely brilliant play. The way he calibrates Mm -hmm. the movement of the audience, Mm -hmm. reverses our expectations, undermines our understandings. Um, It's exhilarating. It's just, it's remarkable. Cool. And you've probably already answered this question, but if you had to pick one reason or one particular attraction that you had to the show, why did you 
decide to produce it? Well, it really is for me the extraordinary creations of of the set, the four characters in the play. Uh, I feel that each of them is tremendously sympathetic, mm. and maybe any one of the four of them is a monster. So there's sort of this duality going on that they have to. I guess struggle with the whole I mean the audience has to struggle with through the whole show yeah the play is a struggle for the audience not a struggle in terms of entertainment no, of we've, we've had uh, we've you know we just opened so we've had just a little bit of feedback two of the maybe five things I've read so far say they could not believe how gripped they were they could not believe when act one ended 45 minutes had gone by they could not believe when the play ended that it was done. It moves so fast. And it's not that we talk fast. It's not my, the cast talks fast. <laughs> it's the, the events of the play are so b- beautifully constructed. Mm-hmm. And the stakes are high. Mm-hmm. In our culture, what thing that people can do compares to sexual abuse of a child? Mm-hmm. That is, doesn't really matter how open-minded, inclusive, we might be. That one pushes the buttons. On the other hand, the false accusation of someone for some kind of sexual abuse, a teacher, a politician, mm-hmm. although it's rarely false when it's politicians. <laughs> oh, my cynicism shows through. Yeah. <laughs> a priest, you name it. Mm-hmm. Their career's done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that, I mean... When any of us kind of contemplates, anybody in authority um, over anybody else, Mm -hmm. anybody that works with children, contemplates what happens the day the boss calls you in and says, "Um, so what happened that day when you were at the swings with Susie? Mm -hmm. Your life passes before your eyes. Mm -hmm. So the degree of empathy we have with Father Flynn, Mm -hmm. if he's innocent, the degree of empathy we have with Sister Aloysius, who is trying to right a, a horrific wrong, if she's correct, that are off the charts. So the emotional investment of an audience is huge. And my choice in casting the play was find superb actors, of course, but the, the actors who could play the most sympathetic, human, believable, likable versions of those four characters possible. So we don't write any of them off because of their personality. I want us to think, oh, those are human beings. That could be me. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the audience is going to go in and they're going to be able to find something to sympathize with or empathize with, rather, for each of these characters. And they're going to be able to connect with each character in some way. Yeah, and the hope is that the one you connect with, Mm -hmm. in ten more lines you're going to go, oh, no. (laughs) Pick the wrong team. (laughs) And and hopefully that, that reversal happens. I think for some audience members, many times in the play, it's like a pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. For others, it will be one massive reversal where they really Mm -hmm. are on side with so-and-so. And And at a certain point, they go, oh my, what if I'm wrong? So that was Ron Reed of Pacific Theater uh, discussing the production of uh, Doubt that they have running right now. It runs now through uh, March 31st. And uh, I had to cut Ron, unfortunately, a little bit short there. Um, We had a really great interview, um, but unfortunately we're running out of time. So um, I will post that full interview for you on our YouTube channel so you can find the arts report by visiting citr.ca and find the link there to our YouTube channel where you will find that full interview with Ron because we had a really great chat about the show. So again, that is at Pacific Theatre, which is at 1440 West 12th Avenue in Vancouver. Uh, tickets range from 29.50 to 16.50, and you can visit them online at pacifictheater.org to get tickets. I've been hearing from a lot of my theater friends that the show is really great, um, so I would encourage you to go and see it. Uh, so we have one more feature coming up uh, at the end of the show here, um, and we're going to talk to Glass Kites. Again, we've got their CD release party coming up tomorrow night at 560 downtown, and um, we're also going to do a giveaway, so get your dialing fingers ready to give us a call. 604-UBC-CITR is the number, or if you're like me and really hate having to figure out what the letters mean on the phone, uh, it's 822-2487, and get that number in your phone because I will give you a call, uh, Q to call later. 
that made more sense. Uh, so you can win some tickets to that show tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be really great. Again, that's Glass Kites with Super Cassette, Facts, and Bed of Stars. We will hear from them next after a very short break here on the Arts Report. Stay with us. The alphabet has only 26 letters. With these 26 magic symbols, however, millions of words are written every day. This month in Discorder. This month's cover features the experimental punk band Shearing Pinks, three dudes who have been an underground Vancouver staple since 2005 and have over 50 releases, big and small, under their belts. Also featured this month are The Bleeding Hearts, who released their debut EP this month, a review on Wim Wender's latest film, the 3D dance epic Pina, an update on the Rio's ongoing battle to show movies and serve liquor, not to mention a bunch of excellent show and album reviews and all of your regular features. Pick up your beautiful and free copy of Discorder at any Friends of CITR business, or if you've gone paperless, don't forget to check out Discorder at discorder.ca. Discorder, that magazine from CITR, supporting local music for over 25 years. 2011 marks the 25th anniversary of the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Chinese Garden since opening in 1986. The Dr. Sun Yat-sen Chinese Garden is very pleased to have been able to connect cultures and communities for the past 25 years and continue being an arts and cultural hub in the neighborhood and the city. Watch for complimentary specials on the 25th day of every month. There are also blockbuster exhibits, community events, academic conferences, and music and theater productions lined up, plus contests and giveaways. CITR 101.9 FM is proud to be a year-long partner as the Garden celebrates its 25th anniversary. For more information, visit www.vancouverchinesegarden.com. Show your Friends of CITR card or simply mention that you heard about the garden on CITR to receive $2 off admission. Hello and welcome back to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We are broadcasting live from UBC campus. uh, And of course, you can stream us online at citr.ca. You can tweet us at CITR underscore Arts Report. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arts Report. And we have a YouTube channel. Look at all the wonderful ways that you can find us. I should also mention that uh, we have a podcast, which you can search for in iTunes or also find on our website, citr.ca. And if you're interested in getting involved uh, with the program, uh, you can get in touch with us. Or if you have an event that you would like to get covered uh, by us here on the Arts Report, email us, arts at citr.ca. Okay, there's all the things I need to tell you that are important. One last feature in the show today before we move on to uh, Discorder Radio, which is coming up at 6 p.m. Local band Glass Kites released their album online and for free on January the 1st this year, and they're celebrating their physical album release tomorrow at 560. Leon and Nate, two members of the band, dropped by at uh, CITR a couple weeks ago and talked to Arts Report correspondent Adam Janusz about the daring move of offering their music for free online. They also talk about combining digital production with good old-fashioned instrumentation. But to start, Adam asked Nate about how the music of Glass Kites comes together. Well, definitely it's different a lot of times. Sometimes it'll be like you see on TV in a garage when we're like just jamming. But uh, most of the time, it's actually me and Leon get together and come up with music on a piano. Okay. And, and a, a guitar and a piano, He'll, you know, we'll switch off. We both play guitar and piano, so we switch off and then just write sections on the piano. And then slowly we'll realize what we want that part to actually be played on. Like we'll want a synthesizer to play that or something. Uh-huh. Or we'll, And then we'll write a lead melody on the piano, which will be eventually played on another instrument. Or sung. Sung, I mean, yeah, it, sung. Even a lot of the melodies I sang weren't uh, originally vocal melodies. Yeah, they were, yeah. A lot of them were written by, by Nate. Or right. uh, by another oh, member. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's a tough question to answer because every song is so different. Yes. Um, some songs. It's a different process for every song. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you look at a song like The Body, um, which is on the record, and like, for instance, that's an electronic song. And that song, um, I basically made the beat for it and I wrote the piano part for it. And it was kind of like my little kind of song. And then you, mm-hmm. you look at a song like Terra, um, which is the, the opening track on the record after the intro and that's kind of like Nate's baby and he wrote that mainly on, on piano, piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. so it's it's totally different and then sometimes we write together um, but it's we, we're all multi-instrumentalists and a, most of us are computer geeks as well and, com- and electronic musicians how, how much uh, of a part 
does that play? Because it, it, you say, you know, a lot of it is just actually on good old-fashioned instruments, like it starts piano. There. It starts there, yeah, piano yeah. and guitar. How much of the, the, the production and the making of your music um, is uh, digital? Well, How much? Well, well, we're slowly trying to incorporate more and more electronics into it because uh-huh. all, we all love these new realms that you get when you cross organic with electronic. Um, cool. So it's about it's about that crossroads. Oh, totally. Absolutely. That's the big thing. That's exactly because um, if you go too far in any direction, I just I, I want to make it so it's like everything in one. Like I, I would I always want to do that. That everything I love is in one package, so that when mm. I put it on, it's everything at once. Like I don't want to just do one thing. I want to. I'm one of those people who wants to do everything. Yeah. And so we all we all are like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Cool. Yeah. And who does that uh, out there in the world that, that inspires you? Who does that? Uh, the that crossing? Mix? Yeah. Well, there's Pat Metheny. He's always been a guy who says he's, he's a guitar player, jazz guitar player, and he has a big group that he goes around with. And he's always had that ideology of crossing organicism with electronics. I mean, so many bands nowadays are doing that. Uh, it's kind of what you have to do all to stay on top. All the most modern bands, all the most modern cutting-edge yeah awesome bands to us at least yeah <laughs> are the ones who are crossing electronics with mm-hmm. live you know and that's mm-hmm. so that's so cool to us like you know like bands like radiohead or um you know bands like mew um, bands like jagged jazzist who have everything from horns to synths mm-hmm. to drum beats that are played on organic kits to drum, to beats, drum beats that are played jazz you know, kits like real jazz are, yeah do you ever worry about too much mixing like too much of a good thing yes definitely because right? we want to be focused we want to be mm-hmm. a focused band um yeah. who sounds like this and sometimes <laughs> um but then again i look at all the bands that i love the most and first of all every song is his own baby not mm-hmm. every song i don't like records where every song sounds the exact same right. personally i mean i can mm-hmm. i can respect them and uh, i do enjoy them but i can't listen all the way through them because mm-hmm. they're not dynamic yeah. yeah it's good to be focused but but like not too folk like you want to I don't know. You want but us to not be too exploring. rigid. And yeah. want to too be ex- repetitive. Exactly. Yeah. Explorations is yeah. very important yeah. for us. Yeah. Cool. Now, um, tell me about some of the reception uh, that your new album is uh, getting. For example, you got a nice review in the Georgia Strait. Yeah, we got a solid review in the Georgia Strait. I mean, that was really cool to see. I mean, ever since I was like, you know, in high school, you know, playing yeah. with my my bros and bands and <laughs> stuff, I've always been like, I want to be in the Georgia Strait. So that was really yeah. cool to see that, and we've been playing on like. I think CBC Radio 2, this fantastic program called The Signal with Laurie Brown. Mm, yes. And um, a really, I'm a huge fan of that show. And she's played us, um, you know, I think like four times in the last couple of weeks. So that's been like mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah. I'll say something. Yeah, go um, ahead. Yeah. We put our album up for free online. Mm-hmm. And that was a really smart choice because recently on our Facebook page, we've been getting all these comments from people all over the world mm. and we haven't we barely done any promotion yet and like just randomly already because it's free i guess blogs have been posting it obviously that's how it happens nowadays right which and is obviously at first sort of a risk like you know should we do this should we not yeah but you're finding it's, it's no, been yeah. a good move you mean the free releasing yeah. The free? yeah that's what you have to do nowadays Seems like, like an obvious choice yeah, to yeah. Us. Yeah. yeah just because just because nowadays um you know blogs rule the music scene in a lot wow. of ways I, I at least we believe and yeah. um a lot of blogs just will not post if stuff. they don't know you. If it's, yeah, if they yeah, don't have they access don't know to you, it, yeah. they're not going to pay for you. Exactly. What reason do they have to pay? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, we've actually like had money coming in completely on a voluntary basis, and that's just such donation. an am- just such an amazing feeling to have money coming in completely voluntarily. Yes. It's like saying, like, here's a free coffee. And if you like the coffee, you can also pay yeah. whatever you want for the coffee. And then money's actually coming in. Wow, yeah. that, that must be some good coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's nice. So that was Nate and Leon talking to Arts Report correspondent Nick. Uh, I'm Nick Sartori. He was talking to Adam uh, Janusz about uh, releasing their album online and for free. Um, and you can check out the Glass Kites if you go to their Bandcamp page, which is glasskites.bandcamp.com. And on that page, you can find uh, their full record and you can pay whatever you want for it, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so they're playing their CD release party tomorrow night with Super Cassette, Facts, and Bed of Stars. It's at 560, um, which if you don't know the venue, is at 560 
Seymour Street, uh, and it's downtown. Bands uh, start at 8.30, so you want to get there nice and early. There are limited $5 early bird tickets. It's 8 bucks uh, if you can get your hands on tickets before uh, you get there. Otherwise, 10 bucks at the door. You can buy tickets on uh, WinnieCooper.net. Uh, the event is sponsored by WinnieCooper.net, Beatroot Magazine, and your friends at CITR 11.9 FM. So uh, we're going to leave you with a song from this uh, record that the Glass Kites have released. This is one that I really like a lot. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for joining us this week on The Arts Report. My name is Nick Sartori. We will see you next week when Megan Thomas will talk to you about many other cool things that are arts-related. And right now, if you want two tickets to go check these guys out tomorrow night, give me a call. 604 822 2487 again the number 604-822-2487 and I will give you a pair of tickets to check out Glass Kites tomorrow night uh, in the meantime this is their song Terra and I'll leave this uh, with you and we'll see you next week thanks for joining me <laughs>